Hello? This is the German Coast Guard. We are thinking, we're thinking. What are you thinking about? Broadcasting from Brisbane, Australia, this is the FOMO Show. I'm Matt. And I'm Joe. And this is a podcast where you'll hear about blockchain, cryptocurrency, emerging markets and future tech in relatively plain English. We'll help you stay across what's going on so you don't get the fear of missing out. You can find us at FOMO.show or by searching for the FOMO Show on your platform of choice. Everything in this show is in the show notes. You can find the links to anything we're talking about, timestamps, the relevant parts, so you can always skip ahead or find it later. So this episode, we're going to be uh, primarily the, the big feature of this episode is an interview with the NEM team from that's, down in Melbourne. Yeah, that's that was the other week when you were, you were down there for your blockchain masterclass. Yeah, it? yeah. So I was down there and I dropped in at the blockchain center and we do have an episode an, an interview coming up with them as well but I interviewed the the team from NEM who are based in Melbourne Amazing. Um, and uh, yeah great interview really good hearing about everything they're doing and yeah we'll have the, the YouTube version of that video up probably around about the time this podcast goes live as well we're also going to be covering a, a few bits of news and there's going to be a crypto update for a few of the different cryptocurrencies we've been watching do you want to be a part of the show? You can record a voice message in Telegram or email it to us at fomoshow at protonmail.com. What have you been up to the last couple of weeks? Mate, I've been uh, prepping for the inaugural Blockchain for Business meetup here in Brisbane. So uh, You're running that, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. So I've started a, a new meetup series uh, called Blockchain for Business. It's, as the name suggests, it's focused towards people who are involved in business in, in various capacities and how we may use the blockchain or not use the blockchain uh, in various business ways. So mm. the first few are just going to be going through the basics for people that don't have that much familiarity with blockchain. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. the aim is to build a community around the blockchain space here in Brisbane, uh, primarily focused on business. So I know we've got a few developers coming. I know we've got some business owners coming. Mm. I know we've got some people who are, who are looking to get into the space. Uh, so... Yeah, look, as with everything, it's all network effects. And if we want blockchain technology to begin being picked up by merchants and businesses, then you know we need the network. So that's, mm. the, that's the aim for that. So that should be really good. So that will most likely have already occurred by the time this goes to air. Yep, but, indeed. Uh, we'll report back next time on how that goes. So where can people go to join that? Yeah, I'll, I'll paste a link in the show notes. But if you search for Blockchain for Business Brisbane in meetup.com, you should be able to find it. What have you been up to, mate? Mate, uh, I've been doing quite a few things this week. Um, primarily, a lot of reading um, about this new WordPress Gutenberg setup. Now, if you've never heard of WordPress, it's like a back-end website management system. Um, it's one of the most popular... It's probably the most popular content management system, they'd call it a CMS, mm. out there. Um, and they're building a, a new interface for editing websites. Um, and because it's on millions of websites, it's currently in beta, but we've been using on our site mm. really really exciting and it's got so much potential for the future of websites because right now um website interfaces is just like a word editor where it's just about typing in words yep. and then 
it's kind of shoddy if you want to embed videos yeah. and other things. This is making it for the, making an interface for the future of websites. So you're going to be able to drop polls in, cool sections with random bits, and it's all going to be a beautiful interface for building it so mm. that people can actually create great content. So mm. I've been really excited about that, trying to dig through the bits, but um, nothing really to report, but it's very exciting. Yeah, well, I, even just from using it on, on our FOMO show site, mm -hmm. it's it's really interesting because, yeah, generally what you type into the back end of your website isn't how it looks mm. when it actually gets mm -hmm. to the website. Mm -hmm. But Gutenberg, it basically looks the same. Like yeah. Once it goes live, you can you can pretty much get like a live view of what it's going to look like when you publish it, which yeah. is great. So, yeah, no, I, I was really impressed when you, you put it on and you, you took me through it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, cool. Is this investment or any other advice? No. So, this podcast is not investment, legal, tax, financial, or any type of other advice. So, we're not saying you should buy anything at all on this show. And full disclosure, we're both personally invested in different cryptocurrencies, and we do talk about some of them on the show. Mm. But if we talk about something, it doesn't necessarily mean you should uh, buy it, invest in it, or take any other action based on it. Mm. So... Do your research, never invest more than you can afford to lose, and most of all, avoid the fear of missing out. If you're new around here and new to crypto, you can check out our Blockchain Basics series. It starts from episode two and continues until around about episode eight. It'll give you some grounding in the fundamentals and help you understand what on earth we're talking about. Cool. Cool. So let's jump into some of the news. First up... Waymo, what's going on there? They're launching their first self-driving transportation service this year. So according to media reports, and this is from Zero Hedge, Waymo is going to be launching 62,000 Chrysler Sheesh. Pacifica minivans, uh, which will be adding, adding to its fleet in anticipation of launching the transportation service as soon as this year. So these minivans are going to be equipped with the, the autonomous driving software, um, which puts Waymo ahead of companies like Uber and Tesla, and they're both working on pushing new solutions to the industry itself. So Waymo is, the, I believe, the Google implementation of it, but we've also got Uber, Tesla, I think Ford and Toyota are also working on implementations. But it seems like from, from everything I've been hearing, Waymo are out ahead of everyone else. And I think some of that may simply be because Google has such a vast mapping oh. network to draw upon. Yeah, my bad. I thought Waymo was owned by Uber. Wow, that's insane. It's crazy that it could be here as soon as this year. I was I was watching like an E3 trailer or something a few days ago because E3 was on and over breakfast I'd just sit there That's watching. That's a big gaming thing. event each year, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so every now and then I just jumped on and had a quick look at what was what they were they were doing and there was this like futuristic thing where like people were driving cabs but AI were taking over and it looked like it was set like 50 years in the future, you know. But in reality, it's probably going to be more like five or ten years. Jeez. And the 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 fact that Google has come out now and essentially <laughs> said we're almost there mm. means that we're. I don't think we're even as far off as we thought we were. Jeez. So if you're a taxi driver living in the area near to where they're launching that, um, hold on to your pants. You're probably going to need to retrain. <laughs> That's insane. Find something else. Oh, mate. So next article, uh, the Port of Brisbane, so right here where we live, has unveiled a blockchain system for managing port operations. So PricewaterhouseCooper Australia, the, um, the Australian Chamber of Commerce and Industry and the Port of Brisbane 
have worked together to develop a trade community system designed to link international supply chain information using blockchain technology. That's coming out of MaritimeExecutive.com, a fascinating website for Mm. shipping and related news. Mm, If that's what you're into, it's uh, (laughs) there's a lot of stuff in there for you. Forklift daily. (laughs) (laughs) But, mate, it's big because that's happening in our backyard. And Mm. um, PwC are one of the main... PwC and Deloitte are both getting quite heavily into mm. blockchain tech. And it makes sense because mm. that's their MO, that their, their, their primary industry is finance. Yeah, the Port of Brisbane handles approximately $50 billion in international trade annually. So it's not a small port. And mm. uh, I've been out there before and there's a lot going on out there. So if they are talking about building a blockchain solution, they must see some real value mm. in implementing it as opposed to their centralized solutions. Yeah. So one of the big problems with Australia compared to a lot of our competitors in the nearby area, it's a much more regulation and document exchange to deal with. So the cost is higher and the time is much slower. It's one of those things where a part of you wants to be like, oh, I hope the government doesn't get into this because um, like, this is our little decentralized world and we don't want the government getting into this decentralized world. But on the other hand, and I've had... I've talked to people about this before. Without the government getting into it, I mean, at the end of the day, generally everyone will need to comply with the laws of the land. And it's going to be a lot easier to comply with the laws of the land if the government's plugging into the system Mm. or if they're supporting the system in some way. And so I see this as a really promising step because Mm. it means that governments are now looking at blockchain as not a threat, but something that can be that can be harnessed and they can work collaboratively Mm. with players in the space. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's really positive. IBM have built these new artificial synapses, they're called. And uh, they're essentially building... They're almost... So so the whole thing comes from neural networks. Mm -hmm. And scientists have been working on these neural networks for a long time. And they're designed to basically mimic what goes on in our brain. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course they haven't been able to design anything anywhere near as complex as our brain. So it's all about just trying to get closer and closer to the kind of crazy computations that go on in our head. And that's currently built in software, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's currently built in software. And so what what IBM have actually come out with is they've said, well, what if we built it at the hardware level instead? So what if we implemented all this neural net technology in the hardware itself? And this is where they're talking about these artificial synapses. So if you know anything about the brain you know that when you're thinking or when something you're doing some kind of computation in your head, these little things called synapses fire. But essentially, IBM have, have found a way to build some of that neural network functionality into artificial synapses. What does that mean in numbers? Yeah, so in number form, they've said that it could mean that machine learning could happen approximately 100 times more efficiently than it does now. So to perform the same computation using IBM's artificial synapses, it would take 1% of the energy Mm. that that the current deep learning software algorithms take, which is huge. Because if you you read up about the deep learning software stuff, they've got whole server farms working on these things. You know, they're not small operations. Mm. And so not only would it mean that it's cheaper energy-wise, but it means you could also get a lot more done. If Mm -hmm. you can build these things and they they can... perform a lot more for a lot less uh it means that you can you can scale the 
the machine learning up a lot more. So all that to say, this deep learning and machine learning stuff, the, the, the biggest barrier has been, you know, just the software hasn't been up to scratch mm-hmm. and IBM seemed to have a way forward. So watch this space. Amazing. Next piece of news, really, really interesting. Um, it's easier than you think to craft AI tools without typing a line of code. A really cool startup called Loeb, Check out their website, lobe.ai. It's a drag and drop interface for building deep learning algorithms from scratch. Mm. Now, it's mainly focused on machine vision from what we can see on The Verge and seeing on their website. But you could actually you know, teach an app to recognize stuff like houseplants or scrabble pieces or mm. count the number of birds in a tree or a bunch of different things. And it looks amazing. Yeah, they were, they were actually talking about even like being able to take photos of your baby when they're climbing out of the crib, you know? Essentially teaching this machine learning algorithm, Lobe, without doing any coding to recognize when your baby's trying to escape from a crib and send a phone alert to you. And, I mean, Joe's up on the screen right now. He's looking at these hand gesture thing. And what's that doing, mate? So that is basically taking in an image uh, from a video of someone doing a peace symbol with their hands. They're then plugging that into a detect features function then generating labels from it and then it basically works out the most relevant hand gesture that it's doing and then tells you what it is really worth looking at the lobe.ai website it looks incredible yeah it's a little bit scary too though isn't it absolutely terrifying (laughs) next up Coinbase have launched an index fund for big investors. Yeah, so the uh, the previously announced, I think we covered this before, the Coinbase Index Fund has officially opened for investments of 250000 to $20 million. So the fund's geared towards institutional investors. Yeah, they, Coinbase have actually said that they're planning to broaden their horizons with other offerings to smaller investors like mm. you or me. Um, so that's going to be on the horizon, mm. but who knows how far away that is. Yeah. Really cool stuff there. Yeah. China State TV did a whole segment uh, on the blockchain, and they said that blockchain was 10 times more valuable than the internet. In a segment named Dialogue um, the other Sunday, so the host featured an hour-long discussion that was for the first time dedicated to educating their audience base, um, a pretty big audience base, on the concept, um, potential risks, and benefits of blockchain technology. Ten times more valuable than the internet. It's a bit of a say. What do you reckon? <laughs> Is it ten times more valuable than the oh, internet? Look, I mean, you think of... I mean, the internet's been going for, what, like 30 years now? You think of the amount of value that's come out of the internet. A couple trillion here and there. Yeah. Look, it's got a long way to go. It's going to get anywhere near there. But in saying that, it, at, at the very least, it will mean that there's now a number of people that watch this dialogue program that are going to sit up and take notice. Mm, mm, mm. More stuff coming out of China. The Chinese state is using RFID to track cars' movements around the country. So they're establishing a new system to track cars using the electronic tags. And um, the Wall Street Journal describes the plan as something that will improve public security. <laughs> uh, and it will also purportedly help ease extreme congestion in largest Chinese cities. The plan is set to be rolled out by the 1st of July, and it will rely on chips that can be identified thanks to their unique signature, but compliance will be voluntary at first. (laughs) And it's then going to become mandatory for all new vehicles by January 2019. The system will actually register 
when your car passes a certain landmark mm, that's been tagged. Mm, mm. So I'll know the area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So I guess it's like, um, I mean, in the US, I know that they've got RFID chips on cars to when they go through toll points. Mm. We've got the same in Australia, don't we? How long until that comes over here? Not long. If China's doing it, we're not far behind. That's right. Yeah. So what's um, Elon Musk's company doing? Yeah, so the Boring Company, they want a high-speed transit contract in Chicago, a contract to build a rapid transit link between O'Hare Airport and downtown. The trip currently takes about 40 minutes on public transportation, but the Boring Company aims to take, cut that down to 12 minutes using electric shuttles. Musk calls them skates, which is like a modified Model X chassis, uh, to zip passengers through tunnels at 120 to 150 miles an hour. Uh, and they'd be paying 20 to $25 a ride, which is apparently half the price of an Uber. Wow. Everything Elon Musk does, like, I'm, and I'm not as big of a fanboy of as you are, but I'm still a fanboy of what he does. <laughs> and they just say that he says the coolest things. Like, so he's got a company who are literally, the company's called a boring company, the boring company, which is like the name says it all. They, they bore holes in the ground. Um, but he's calling them skates. The things that move between the two points. It just sounds so cool, man. Oh mate, it really is. Worth checking out the Boring Company website page on that Chicago uh, project, boringcompany.com slash Chicago. Mm. This whole idea is crazy. And what Elon Musk, well, Musk, the, the Boring Company is actually going to front the construction funds. So they're going to pay for it. And what they're going to get is a share of the fees paid by passengers and advertising revenue. Right. You're stuck in a shuttle for 12 minutes. Yeah. And there are adverts. Yeah. How good is that? Yeah. And you've paid to see those adverts. Yeah. It's like going to the cinema. It is. I wonder if it'll be like the cinema how you don't remember the ads at the end of the, the movie. <laughs> oh, it looks pretty cool. No, it looks great. It's, it's really worth checking out. I mean, we can't really do it justice, but um, their plans for what they want to do, incredible. It makes so much more sense. So, Joe, you found some really interesting news around augmented reality and AI. Mm. Really cool website worth subscribing to, the Programmable Web. Basically shows you all the new APIs coming out. So all these different products where you can tap into their um, tap into their data and use it for your own projects. Um, this company, Usense, have debuted an AI-based 3D skeletal hand tracking software development kit for smartphones. It's for iPhone and Android. These are basically tools for augmented and virtual reality. So... This basically, like most technologies, only allow you to track fingertips right now, which is cool. But this uses computer vision and deep learning technology with your regular mobile phone camera to provide full hand skeleton tracking and 3D motion recognition, which means it's going to be so much easier with just regular phones. You know, it's not necessarily this product, but products like this mm. are going to make it so much faster and more efficient to build augmented reality apps that drop you straight into virtual worlds, mm. which is cool. Yeah. So like something like Pokemon Go, for example, that oh. everyone's been playing. Like yeah. instead of just uh, just kind of doing a little action on your phone, mm -hmm. you could it could actually track your hand yeah. as yeah. you throw the Pokeball it's or whatever. It's going to be the, wild. Wow. So <clears throat> yeah, gestures, all kinds of stuff. And it means you won't have a random controller. You'll be using your hand, which yep. is kind of how we're supposed to interact. Yeah, with stuff. yeah, yeah. Yeah, be a lot more tactile. Mm. Mm. 
Oh, it's coming real quick, mate. Everything's it's terrifying. Don't you just want time to slow really down quick. a bit, you know? And it's just so hard to keep up with everything. Oh, it's ridiculous. If there's something that you would like us to cover, I mean, because on that, you know, it, it, it is really hard to, to cover everything. But we mm. like to give a, as you've probably noticed, we like to give a good overview of some of the most interesting things that are happening if you see something that you would like us to cover or you just even just like us to know about please jump into our telegram mm. um just swing us the link let us know mm. um and you know we can have a discussion about it in there too mm. thank you so much for joining us absolute pleasure having you here um wherever you are do feel welcome to drop in our telegram channel say hello um drop us random links and gifs there have been so many updates to a bunch of the projects that we like it's been hard to keep up, so you're going to take us through a whistle-stop tour of what's been going on. What's been going on? That's right, yeah. So the, the first thing we've had that's been in the news and everyone's got an opinion on it is the EOS mainnet has launched. For those of you who've been following along at home with our regular EOS updates, the, the for the EOS mainnet to launch, there was a number of block producers that needed to be elected. Uh, and the way that you elected the block producers was to essentially import your private key into the network and mm. signal or stake your tokens for the block producers that you wanted producing blocks. And there's 21, I think you could elect 30, and the, the top 21 that you know everyone elected combined mm. would have the privilege of being the block, block producers going forward. Um the, it took about four or five days for us to reach 15%. That was a threshold that we needed. So you needed 15% of the total votes to essentially turn on the network. Right. And uh, yeah, initially it was very slow and everyone was saying, oh, you know, this is the problem with the decentralized launch. EOS should have launched it. But eventually we did hit 15%. Some notable names didn't make it. Uh, mm-hmm. So the, what we essentially saw was a lot of Chinese and Korean token holders voted and they voted wow. for several block producers that no one had ever really heard of. They'd done nothing for the community as we know. They may have been doing things in China that we weren't aware mm-hmm. of, but uh, they um, uh, they kind of came out of nowhere. And so companies like Eosphere, which is one of the big ones from here in Australia, Graymass, who uh, did a really useful voting tool, and Tokenica, which was another one that did a useful voting tool, uh, they all didn't make it as of now. So they're all mm-hmm. backup block producers. But the network has launched. You can go to eospark.com to see who the current block producers are and what they're doing. But uh, yeah, the, the 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 biggest news from probably about a day before we were recording today was that the block producers actually had to take the network down for about six hours uh, because there was an edge case bug that was found. And so all transactions stopped and the user logs were backed up and the block producer said, okay, we've got to take the network down while block one, the EOS company fixes this and then we'll bring the network back up. And so if you had gone on Reddit, (laughs) when all this was going on, there were some (laughs) very differing views. So all the people that are obviously not big fans of EOS were saying, this is the problem with it. You know, it's a mainnet launch. It's it's an absolute shambles with the networks down for six hours. It's rubbish. And other people were saying, well, this is a new project. It's actually great because they were able to fix it within six hours, whereas something like Ethereum or Bitcoin would have taken months to fix. And uh, it's just been really interesting to watch. The least you could say, I think everyone could agree on, is that it's a really interesting experiment because Mm -hmm. you're essentially launching one of the biggest networks live without the company that built the software involved in the launching of the network itself. 
and you're watching these like political, there's like these pseudo political things play out. Uh, there's bugs and people trying to break the network playing out as well. And um, it's just been it's been really interesting. I've been enjoying watching it. And I guess my one takeaway from the whole thing would be just to remember that when, for example, Ethereum launched or Bitcoin launched or other networks launched, there were issues early on. And any software that launches there, there's generally always issues early on. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think anyone is going to be running out and putting multi-million dollar smart contracts on the EOS network straight away. And you'd be silly if you did. I'm just enjoying watching the network launch and I'm, I'm interested to see what happens. Mate, exciting. So what's going on in Dash, laddie? So I've been using Dash to pay for a number of transactions. Right. I've, I've got my haircut with Dash. Nice. I've bought food with Dash. Ooh. I've bought drinks with Dash. Ooh. There's plenty of things I can do with Dash. Anyway, the reason I use Dash is because it's quick, <coughs> it's instant, no fuss, and it just works. Mm. That's what I really, really like about it. It just works. We've kind of talked a little bit about the Dash before. We'll probably um, cover them more sometime soon on one of the episodes. But yeah. they've got like a treasury model with masternodes. So right. they, um, they a certain amount of the network fee goes to this treasury. And every month they determine what new projects they want to support. So they've got journalists that go around the, the world covering different events where people are using Dash. They've, right. they've got uh, educational things they support. All that to say, when the this new announcement came up, it caught my eye. So Dash have announced something called Dash Evolution. And apart from the really cliche kind of name, it's actually really interesting when you look into the design. And we'll put the link up in the show notes. But they've designed an easy... Uh, they're, they're, tr- they're trying to design a system which makes it very easy to have micropayment setups, oh, yeah. uh, like native to the protocol. Okay. Uh, they want to be make it able to connect even easier with merchants so make it uh, essentially have some better proprietary tech to make it easier for merchants to integrate with their system and they also want a decentralized api so you can actually add like mobile payments to your website so you just be able to have like a pay with dash button on your website yeah and if you clicked on that there'd be a, a just a web container around it and you could very quickly and easily hook into say like a, a merchant partner to mm-hmm. to pay with Dash wow. um, to someone. So it's currently in alpha, but and we won't cover it too much. But if you if you're interested in that, uh, it's well worth going and and looking at it. Um, once it's out of alpha, I'm definitely interested in maybe setting setting it up and tinkering with it sometime soon. Yeah. So we'll report back on how it goes. But they're just doing everything right, and they're they're looking at meeting merchants where they're at, trying to really help get as many people integrated into this ecosystem as possible so yeah yeah, it's 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 really good that's great yeah because i mean there are so many things where you need to go into some kind of matrix and yeah type some commands and yeah you think a little bit it's just ridiculous yeah this is good yeah good Mate, so what's going on with Blockgrain? You interviewed them last episode. What's been happening there? Yeah, so they've been uh, running their token sale and it actually ends on the 24th of June. So by the time you hear this recording, you'll probably only have a couple of days left if you want to get your hands on some of their ICO merchandise. Um, but yeah, look, if, 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 if you missed it, we interviewed them the last episode, so you can go to episode 20 and listen to that interview. Good episode. Um, and yeah, if you want to learn more about the project, you can go to blockgrain.io. 
Cosmos. What on earth is that? Yeah, so uh, the Cosmos Network Hub is launching shortly, and uh, they're in testnet stage. And we covered Tendermint, which is the underlying technology for the Cosmos project right. a couple of episodes ago i think i think it was only in passing so we we'll have to spend some more time on it and circle back to it in in one of our future episodes but uh it, it essentially what they're wanting cosmos to be is a blockchain of blockchains and it's been in production for several years so right. you can dig up videos from them from as early as i think 2015 they've been mm-hmm. working on this for a long time um, it's a very reputable team and they're essentially building a uh, blockchain technology and language which will be able to essentially import almost any blockchain and so they will you'll use their consensus algorithm and technology but you could run ethereum on their blockchain or you could peg ethereum to their blockchain so there's there's several different ways of doing it but it's all designed to run through cosmos this cosmos hub so they're um they're they're nearing launch they're aiming to have 100 validators, which are like 100 full nodes, and they've only got 22 at the moment. So if you're at all interested in running a full node for a, what is probably quite a promising project, I'd, I'm, I'm quite interested in their project simply because of the team and the technology, and I really like a lot of what I'm seeing from them. Um, so I'd recommend, I recommend checking Cosmos out. I'd recommend if, you, if you've got the the computer to do it or the if you run a server farm or something else and you, you're wanting something to to throw your your uh, hashing power at, then Cosmos could be something that would be uh, might be quite attractive. So and, and they are flying relatively under the radar too. Mm-hmm. The initial network will support staking, delegation and governance. You'll be able to stake Atom, which is their native currency. And they've actually had a couple of very large updates recently, which has explained a lot more of how the network's going to look at launch. So mm-hmm. we'll put the links to those in the show notes. But uh, yeah, definitely check out Tendermint. I've been telling, uh, and Cosmos, I've been telling a lot of people about it, but it is a really interesting project. I think it's uh, it's it's quite promising and be worth your while looking at. Amazing. So, mate, you've got this week's cool tool. Yeah, so it's a rehash of a tool that we discussed in a previous episode a long time ago. Um, we just wanted to bring it to your attention again. It's called Crypto Watch. Uh, watch like the thing that tells you the time or any other thing that you'd watch. Um, that's just weird. Anyway, it's called Crypto Watch, but we just wanted to reiterate it to you because it looks so cool. Mm. And it's just a really cool way of screening cryptocurrency prices um, and seeing real-time graphs. If yeah. you want something cool to go on your computer screen while you're pretending to work, mm. use it. Yeah, if you want to look like you're, you're a hotshot trader, this is the perfect thing to put up on your screen. Oh, mate. You showed me a really funny clip uh, recently that was done by a, a comedy duo here in Australia called Hamish and Andy, which a lot of people know. Yeah, so um, this is from back in January, but I actually had my housemate told me about this, and he was like, oh, you got Bitcoin, have a look at this. Um Great little sound clip from one of their friends, Jack, who was celebrating losing money on Bitcoin. Yeah, so we just thought we'd we'd uh, we'd play it for you just because it's it's pretty good. It's a little highlight. Like investing in the speculative market and losing seventy percent of earnings in three weeks. I'm so happy that that happened to me. No, you're not. I am so happy. No, you're not. not. I am so happy. No, I'm not. not. I am so happy that this that happened a, to me. No, it's not. That is a good thing. No, it's that not. Bitcoin <laughs> crash. I am so thankful for that. <laughs> Mate, that's exactly how I felt when uh, 
I am so <laughs> happy. So happy. So a few weeks ago, I had the pleasure of sitting down with a NEM team from Melbourne when I was in the blockchain center, and uh, it was a it was a really good interview. And we we covered we covered NEM a few episodes ago, but it was uh, it was great being able to talk to some of the actual team about mm. the technology and uh, ask them some of the specific questions that we'd been wondering about when we covered NEM. So we'll play the interview, and yeah, I hope you enjoy it. I I found it was a, it was a real pleasure to interview the team, and hopefully you get a lot from it. Hi everyone, Matt here from the FOMO Show. I'm here with Jason and Jen from the NEM Project. Yeah, thank you for having us. Not a problem. <laughs> so uh, we've just dropped in here at the Blockchain Centre in Melbourne and there's a, there's a lot going on here and NEM have a, essentially a, a, Mel- a Victorian headquarters here, uh, if that's correct. Yep. Um, and, uh, and we just thought we'd get an interview about the NEM Project, so what it, what it does, uh, what markets you're targeting and uh, what's planned for the future. So would you mind just telling me a little bit first about what you both do for NEM? So my name is Jason Lee. I'm, I'm the expansion director for Australia and New Zealand. And uh, actually, in fact, the Australian office is here at the Blockchain Centre in Melbourne where we're sitting. Yeah. And uh, and I'm here to just oversee um, the adoption of the NAM blockchain uh, in terms of real-world use cases that are adopting the blockchain. And we also um, have a cryptocurrency called the ZAM crypto. So I'll just pass it on to Jen for the next question. Yeah. Oh, to introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Jen. Um, Thanks for that, Jason. Um, I'm part of the NEM Foundation here in Melbourne. I'm the Melbourne lead. So like Jason said, I'm based off the blockchain center as well. So what I do here is more educational in terms of giving talks to people, trying to separate yeah. the whole thing down between uh, blockchain and cryptocurrency, trying yeah. to teach people the differences, yeah. and also doing business development here in Melbourne. So I'm the business lead here, helping businesses build on the NEM blockchain. Brilliant. Okay, and what's your experience been uh, helping with businesses building on the blockchain? Oh, it's really positive so yep. far. Yeah, a lot of people are really excited. They mm. really want to build on it. Yep. Um, you do get a little bit of noise sometimes when people are like, trying to establish what blockchain actually is. Yeah. And, like You get a lot of people trying to build on the blockchain for the sake of building on the blockchain. Yep. So we help sift those people out and Good. actually you know, kind of consult them. So yep. to just tell them whether they actually have a solution in the blockchain with the issues they have at the moment and whether it's actually worth going on the blockchain. Right. Okay. Brilliant. And so for those that aren't that familiar with the NEM blockchain, we featured it a few episodes ago, but there's probably people listening who aren't very familiar with what NEM does. Could you explain to me uh, what the the NEM blockchain does, what some of the differences are, and where some of the use cases of your technology might be as far as a a real-world implementation? Okay. I'll start from what... NEM is different from others. Well, so our differentiation is essentially that we're API-based. Yep. So you don't have to learn a whole different code language in order to build on NEM. So okay. you can actually have your existing um, businesses just hook it up to, uh, build an API and hook it up to our system and a right. network. And they can use the blockchain and then it straight away. So it's a lot more similar to the current web architecture that most developers are familiar Correct. with. Correct, yes. Yep. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Yep. So I, I guess the, the whole concept with the viewers here... Um, need to understand API is application programming interface yep. and think of it if you go on Google and you search can I get flights from Melbourne to Sydney mm. and Google flights actually comes and says Qantas is this Jetstar is this and it's all actually Google going into um, the actual website of Qantas and Jetstar and then linking it and getting the price and the timing and that's called APIs Right. so the whole concept of NEM is that you could actually build your own platform on yep. a website portal and through that links link it onto the blockchain and then get a full 
full advantage of uh, utilizing a blockchain. So mm. it's a very easy to use plug and play solution. Okay, and that's one of the big challenges with blockchain at the moment, isn't it? With a lot of other blockchains is that you've got this information which is held on the blockchain and then you've got this separate information which is held on the web and making the two talk a lot of the times is quite difficult. So the API solution is essentially designed to make that project, uh, that, that, that way of doing things a lot easier, correct? Exactly, yeah, yeah. so okay. it's completely based on, um, you can call it JavaScript and C++, so right. these are languages that are very familiar to developers from the get-go. Okay. So you don't actually have to learn a new language, and you know, sometimes when you do learn a new language, there's a little bit of teething problems, yeah. yeah, so you get some issues when you're building on it, yeah. and when you reach roadblocks, you know, you do, it's not a wasted time and wasted effort when you already learned how to code in C++ and JavaScript. Yeah. Because all the endeavors and all the cost that goes into learning a new language and mm. building a new platform, then you realize it doesn't work. That's a lot of wasted time and effort. Yeah. Whereas the learning to code in JavaScript and C++, you already have that tool set and you're not, as if, it's not as if that's going to go to waste yeah. anywhere else. Right. And you always can switch to other functions that you're going to build on. Okay, and so how have you found businesses approach that then? Has that been implemented practically? Have you got some projects that are, that are really relying on that API layer to implement blockchain practically in their business yet? Uh, in terms of use cases? Yes. Yeah, we've got a use case in the moment, Copyright Bank. So they, they, they have a website, they build a website that hooked up to the blockchain network, the Nens blockchain network. Yeah. And the idea is you actually drag and drop all your copyright material into yeah. the website yeah. and it'll give you like a, um, a certificate in the end saying that it has been you know, certified, that has been now copyrighted and it goes on the blockchain and makes it immutable. Mm. So it just hooks up to the blockchain and mm. that data itself is now on the blockchain. So because it's being uneditable and immutable, yeah. it makes it more solid in terms of if you want to defend it in the law of court, let's yeah. say, and you say, you know, because it hasn't been hacked yet, and it's timestamped on the time that I put it on the blockchain. Yeah, that's my material instead of yours. If you want make make money off it or commercialize that kind of copyright. Yeah, of yeah. So, so for for those that don't know, the blockchain provides an, an immutable ledger essentially for information to be stored. And, and what you're saying is that NEM have created a system to make it quite easy to take real world information and swap it over to an immutable ledger system. Uh, which other companies can then start using and you can Correct. use in partnerships and, and similar situations like that. Exactly, yeah. Okay, brilliant. And so what other, what other things separate NEM then from other blockchains? Because I, I know at the moment, we've talked about this on the show before, there's some big problems with scaling, for example, at the moment. Uh, Ethereum can only handle around 15 transactions per second. Uh, Bitcoin generally handles a little bit less than that. And there's a real focus, and we've seen this with other new blockchain projects, to, to make that scale up. Because if we're going to be able to use this for business, we need to make sure that things are, things are fast. So what does NEM do to, to solve that solution? Well, quite scalable in terms of, let's say you just mentioned the transaction for speed. Mm. And we can handle about 2,000 with a new catapult upgrade, 4,000 transactions a second. Wow. So quite a bit more than Bitcoin in that regard. Um, you want to talk more about the catapult system? Yeah, that's so, so existingly right now, um, the NEM blockchain um, is uh, on, on the, the normal public blockchain. There's about 1,000 uh, nodes that track the blockchain itself, a 60-second block time. And, and we've got a new technology update called Catapult. And when Catapult comes in, it's likely going to be end of this year, beginning of next year. Uh, it's actually going to increase the speed, transaction speed tremendously for NEM blockchain. So, so that, that pushes it up to about 
4,000 transactions per second, um, and that's the estimates that they've um, tested it on on a testnet basis. Um, but on the mainnet basis, you know, we've been running fine and, and going well so far. So so we're actually attracting more companies now to to have high transaction speeds on us. So an example, um, a test subject is um, uh, Japan's first virtual online bank uh, are looking into using the NAND blockchain together with Hyperledger as a, as a as a fused kind of project, and and that's being tested out right now. And so that actually works then. So NEM, NEM, uh, the NEM architecture is able to integrate with other blockchain systems then. Yeah, so we're, we're really focusing on seeing whether we can do blockchain interoperability. Right. So carrying out now that's being tested. And, yep. and if that becomes a success story, that'd be great because a lot of companies I know are, are working towards that. Yeah, and that's that's kind of the holy grail of of, uh, of blockchain at the moment, yeah. isn't it? We've got all these different systems. And I mean, it, I think there was a lot of similarities with the internet early on. We had a lot of smaller networks and the big breakthrough came when we were able to join it all together. And if we can do a similar thing with blockchain, uh, then we can finally start pulling the whole ecosystem together into into one giant hole. Yeah, so, that's right. so that's coming with Catapult then? Nemo working on the inter-blockchain inter operability um, with Catapult? Not, so no, Catapult's more an update on the NEM blockchain itself. So the yep. blockchain interoperability is, is being developed by sort of external parties okay. who would like to, to work on that. So I, I know of other, a few other companies that are, that are exploring um, the, the sort of uh, fusion itself and yeah. some of them have even done ICOs and they're looking to it but we are, we're here just focused on the NAND blockchain but we're open to talking to partners who would be able to say hey we want to sort of have that interoperability mm. with other blockchain protocols I think to date there are about 130 blockchain protocols yeah. out of the 1,600 cryptocurrencies listed on CoinMarketCap and yeah. probably thousands more out there yeah, they're not even listed. They're not yeah. even listed. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I heard that there were uh, twenty-seven thousand Ethereum uh, smart contracts, thirteen thousand uh, Waves tokens, and yep. many more other you know different tokens out there. Yep. Neo has their own platform. Nam as well as others, others and so on. Yeah. yeah, they're a little bit of dime a dozen at the I moment, know, aren't they? Yeah. Um, when we covered Nam a few episodes ago, we talked a lot about the smart asset side of Nam. Uh, would you mind talking a little bit about what smart assets are and why Nam? it makes so much sense as a platform if you're looking to give your assets, whether digital or physical, some blockchain personality. Yep, so smart asset, breaking it down, is essentially an asset that is, is smart, right? And what does smart really mean? So actually, a good example would be to use a corporate bank that Jen mentioned. So for example, if you've got a digital work like a, a photo that you took or a, a set of lyrics that you wrote for a song, and that's a, a digital work, right? So so you, you then um, put it on the blockchain and hence that's your copyright right now. And it, what does it mean turning into a smart asset? Uh, turning into a smart asset could mean that now, that song lyric could be written by three or four different people. And that means that I can now have different owners on the blockchain yeah. that, it, it, that owns that song lyric. Or it could be a transferable ownership. So let's say I wrote that song lyric and someone did the tunes and I want to transfer my ownership of the lyrics to the, the, the person that did the tunes. And then that becomes turns into a smart asset as well. So essentially what, what makes something a smart asset is that you can use that asset for multiple purposes. Mm. And, and that's what um, NAM is working and pushing hard to do. So so for example, one of the breakthrough uh, smart asset um, examples is Catapult uh, when launches launches this thing called a multi-layer, multi-signature platform. Right. So now, it, it, now NAM has a multi-signature platform. So that means that I, I wouldn't be able to release, um, let's say, uh, $250 to you, Matthew, unless... 
both Jen and I signed that okay. um, so that's a yeah. multi-signature um, contract right yeah. now there's this thing called the multi-layer multi-signature contract where sometimes it's a bit more complicated than that yeah. right they could be you know uh, multiple more signatures that require especially for example in the concept of a will or estate mm. you know when you passed on and you want to um, provide um, ownership of some of your um, resources they need multiple signature if let's say there, there's the an, executor uh, the executor is underage and there's the parents and a guardian and so on yep so with NEM, they've implemented a system where um, everyone can sign and it all goes under one transaction. Right. So that makes it very simple and seamless yeah. uh, because when it's locked on the, the blockchain, that one transaction can signify um, something like 100 different signatures below it, right? But it actually only shows one transaction there. Okay. Yeah. And so, I mean, that, that's... That, that was one of the biggest things when I was looking at NAM that drew me to the platform was was the concept of smart assets. And what, coupling with that, what I noticed when I played around with the uh, the interfaces that have been built for NAM was they were quite user friendly and they were quite intuitive. So, let's say I wanted to set up a uh, a will with a with a smart asset multi layer multi signature system. Uh, how would I go about doing that with the NAM platform? So if, if you want to do that, um, essentially right now, we're actually inviting companies to build a simple, uh, let's say, user interface or a portal website with a branding and say, hey, we're doing this right now and yep. anyone can do it. Currently, we don't have that right now. Yep. So you'd probably want to have a developer that can code that uh, system in mm. and then it use that, that coding to then come up into a portal and then that portal allows you to sort of upload file, drag and drop it yep. in and then link it up to the blockchain. And then within uh, what we have, what we call a NEM Nano Wallet, a host list of services, and one of it will show multi-signature. So you click and execute the multi-signature and then that can then come up onto the NEM blockchain. Yep. So how to access that um, that NEM Nano Wallet, it's on our website. Yep. So so if you go into our website and look into downloads, uh, you can actually download the NEM Nano Wallet where you've got a whole robust features um, of, of items there so you've got a multi-signature contracts you've got a voting platform that's voting mm. on the blockchain yeah. you can even um, do um, a, a direct debit function you could send a message along with um, the transaction that you're sending through as well yeah. and, and that those are a number of features so for example the messaging feature right if I send you one bitcoin yeah. Um, I'll have to send you a text say, I've just sent to you one Bitcoin but uh, in name itself when you send it you can attach a message to it like literally in English right. saying this is a message out there yeah okay yeah all right mm. um, so another one another thing that I saw when we were featuring them and looking through it was that you had also had like a notary system which essentially hooks into the this everything else the multi-signature accounts the uh, the smart assets I think it was called a postil yep, the notary system postil, yeah. yeah so could you talk to me a little bit about that and how that plays into the whole ecosystem as well oh, I think you've been more experienced <laughs> okay okay so alright <laughs> so yeah 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 so, so uh, postil is, is essentially a, a blockchain time stamping function yeah so think of it you know uh, the early days when you've got a document that uh, you need an approval someone comes in and they just time they just stamps it and say that I've I, I'm the school principal and mm. I, I stamp a certain letter for, for approval right so that in that way Apostle does that as well so when you go through let's say a supply chain process you can actually time stamp um, 
every single piece of the uh, supply chain uh, link wow. of it, right? So, so an example is uh, NEM has a project with the Ministry of Agriculture in Japan, yeah. and they're essentially um, time-stamping um, the process of wild game meat. So it could be a Kobe or Wahyu beef, and every part of the process uh, is time-stamped wow. to ensure that um, the, the entire supply chain uh, movement is sort of um, uh, with the right information and the right process that is going through it. Right. So if, if I'm a if I'm a butcher, say uh, like yep. selling the meat right at yep. the end, I'd be able to look up the uh, this apostille notary system yep. and see that yes, this is this is this is where the meat started. That's right. This is where it went. This That's is right. the suppliers it went through. Correct. Now it's arrived at my door. Yes. And I can tell that verifiably, uh, without a doubt, it came from where they say it came from. That's right. Okay. Which which you can't do at the moment. I mean, yeah. we here in Australia, we buy things that have Australian made on the sticker, and yeah. it's more you have to trust. You know, you just have to trust that that sticker means that it's come from Australia. Um, but this is a way that people can actually verify that. That's See, right. It's more transparency because you. Yep. What does Australian made really mean, you know? Yeah, and, and so when you couple that with uh, the smart asset system, for example, you'd be able to, the song you were talking about yes. before, you'd be able to see exactly where the rights of that song have travelled right. before they've exactly. arrived to you. Yep. Yeah, That's right. okay. And there might be messages. Correct. Linked in with all that. Yeah, as well. and and so, so for example, one one uh one sort of way of smart assets being seen as well is uh, uh let's say someone did the song lyric, someone composed the song, mm. and then they now publish the song online in in their own website, and they link it on the blockchain, right. and users can actually download the song and pay for the song, wow. right? And whenever they download, pay for the song, it actually logs it on the NAM blockchain. So wow. essentially, your asset becomes a marketplace. Okay. Right. So that means that I can produce, let's say, uh, 15 songs. And I said, anyone who wants to listen to my song can mm. only find it here. You download it um, in, into this space. Yep. And then you can purchase it. And then it becomes locked on the NAND blockchain. Wow. So that's okay. how the asset becomes smart. So, so if I'm, let's say I'm just a, a normal musician then. And all we, I'm a band and I want to sell this music that we've, we've all got rights to. And uh, I go through a distributor. One of the biggest problems with distributors in, in history has been... Uh, they just pay you a check at the end of the month and you have to trust that they're giving you the right amount. So what you're saying is that if, if you move that system to, uh, to the NEM blockchain, like a blockchain-based system, you'd be able to see exactly how many records are being sold or download, digital downloads of the song are being sold and make sure that at the end of the day you're getting paid as much as you should be getting paid. Yep, exactly. Brilliant. Okay. So... so for example, right now, Corporate Bank is actually working with another startup called Recordgram. Yeah. And Recordgram, um, this is like a bit of like Telegram, Recordgram. Okay. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a social um, a platform where you could actually record your voice onto yep. tunes that producers would have uh, produced. And, and they actually won the, the, the last TechCrunch New York Disrupt competition. Wow. And uh, they effect going into uh, tokenizing their system. Yep. And Corporate Bank is actually working to actually um, timestamp some yep. of their work as a copyright for that. Yep. So in fact, uh, just today itself, um, you know, at the end of the May, uh, DJ Blackout, one of uh, the celebrities, just um, timestamped uh, the video, a video of or a song that he had produced yep. onto the Copyright Bank platform. Wow, as an okay. example of that. So yeah. it's, it's it's working right yeah, now. Yeah, that's right. So actually, if you go to copyrightbank.com, that you can actually access it and see uh, and actually sign up, log in, um, and have tokens which yep. you can then redeem to um, timestamp your 
copyright. And that that was one of the big things that really uh, amazed me when I because I, I feel like Nem doesn't get as much the attention as say Ethereum, mm. for example, or some of the other platforms. But I find myself I talk to a lot of business and I find myself with with other platforms saying, "Oh, this is on the way. Oh, this is what they're wanting to do. This will eventually happen." But more and more, what I've noticed with Nem is that uh, whenever I'm talking about some project that NEM are doing, it's already happening. It's already happening. Um, yeah. And it seems like NEM are very far ahead with that implementation stage. That's right. So what we need now is just focused marketing and getting more on board yeah. and getting more businesses on board as well. Yeah. And we've actually got a channel to do that, which is called the NEM Community Fund. So I'll let Jen explain like what the Community Fund's about. Okay. Yeah, so the community fund essentially is um, just for us a way to fund projects that we believe in. So it gets voted from the community. Let's say you, you're you looking for funding. Yeah. You just give us a proposal. Yeah. We put the proposal on one of our forums to yeah. be voted on. They get 65% of the votes on their side and say, like, okay, this is a good project from the community themselves. So yeah. do, we don't decide. It's actually the community that decides. Mm -hmm. So up to up until 65%, I think it's the threshold. So if 65% say that this is a good project, we want to throw money on this project, yep. then we release the funds to these pro um, the people that are seeking funding. Okay, so it's like a decentralized treasury. Exactly, then. yeah. Brilliant. Kind of like what Dash is, Dash is doing, the, the, the Dash yeah, model? Quite similar. similar. Okay, that, yeah. so a bit of a decentralized autonomous organization then, yeah, in yeah, a way. Yeah. Okay, wow, that's great. And so where does, the, where does the money come from again, did you say? Is it, is it the block rewards or... Um, no, we have, we have a war chest. Yeah, so so essentially, NEMs all been pre-mined already. Okay. And and um, as part of the it being pre-mined, uh, the, the initial outcome was um, to actually um, everyone who claimed their ZAM stake would equally have, have a share in it, and yep. there were some unclaimed stakes, and that unclaimed stakes had been converted into community funds. So in fact, we've got about three hundred million ZAM that had been allocated for wow. the fund right now. Wow. So so that that fund is then being utilized where where companies get paid in ZAM to yep. actually build on the NEM blockchain itself. Okay. And other than the community fund, there's also been funded and been allocated for um, sort of the growth of the NEM blockchain. Yep. So the, uh, a council was developed and the NEM.io foundation as a non-profit was also developed to protect, promote and develop the NEM blockchain itself. Wow. Okay. Brent, well, that, that sounds like there's a lot of funding going on then. And it, it, that, that for, from what I've seen in the blockchain space, so we've seen it with Dash, we're seeing a similar thing with EOS, I think, is that the the market seems to be shifting to more of a, a community based funding model because yes. it makes sense. You know, you, right. then you if you if you want to have someone building for your platform, they don't have to run an ICO or something. Yeah. They can just be funded mm -hmm. and uh, and get the benefit of the community uh, and also the community benefits as well because someone's building for the platform yes. and expanding the ecosystem. Okay, so I just wanted to pivot a little bit and talk, just do a little bit of an offside about smart contracts because that's one of the biggest differences I noticed with the NEM blockchain as opposed to some of the other smart execution platforms in the space was that NEM actually don't execute smart contracts on-chain. Most of the execution happens off-chain. So can you explain a little bit about the, the, the decision to keep smart contracts off-chain as opposed to putting them on-chain? Yep, so so I guess we've seen some outcomes of smart contracts being on chain. Yeah. You know, like the parity hack yep. and a lot of a few other things that, that had been on chain that had um, led to um, the congestion in transaction as well with, mm. with um, things that are being built on chain. And so now there's this conversation about oh, what about building um, off chain? And off chain exact meaning that that everything is being done um, off the blockchain, yeah. right? But through API calls linked on the blockchain. Yeah. So then the question comes on security. Oh, can someone actually inter interrupt that API movement mm. and then hack something like that, right? Mm. But to date, 
um, there hasn't been any hacking mm. on the NAM blockchain itself. Yeah. There have been exchanges that were hacked and there have been uh, ICOs that were hacked but not the NAM blockchain itself. So the yeah. integrity of the NAM blockchain has still been kept uh, despite yeah. our decision to have off-chain smart contracts that yeah. are then developed on-chain itself. Yeah, okay. Mm. So if I'm a, uh, let's say I'm a business and I want to do business with a few other businesses on the NEM blockchain yeah. uh, and we say, okay, we're going to need a few uh, smart contracts to to make sure everything works like we we say it's going to work. Yep. Um, what would what would be the best approach for a business to to take to uh, to make sure that 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 execution is as in the open as possible if it's not going to happen on chain. Yep, that's right. So for example, if let's say there's an A, B and C business and they want to ensure the integrity of um, the movement within their transactions, um, A, B and C would decide which part of the transaction goes on the blockchain. So for example, if if the three of them say that, okay, um, I, because we're starting uh, early, every single transaction or movement would go on the blockchain. Yeah. So that means that they agree if A moves, transacts with B and B transacts with C, every transaction is then put on a blockchain. So that the transaction occurs off-chain first yep. and then lock on-chain with okay. the blockchain, right? Right. And then another option is, let's say A, B, C, and then say, oh, we'll do a daily reconciliation and yep. all three agree at the end of the day, then just one transaction is then being locked on the blockchain. Okay. Yeah. So it's so, kind of like a side channel then. It's, it's not, it, it, it's essentially it's like a, maybe a little bit similar to what Lightning is doing with Bitcoin, yep. where you, you come off to the side, you perform your business logic, right. uh, you don't have to process all that on chain, which yep. takes a lot of time. Correct. But at the end of the day, that what's going on there still comes back to the blockchain and gets reported. Yep. It's just that you're not processing it on the blockchain. That's right. Because okay. a new processor, if A transfers to B on the blockchain and B yep. transfers to C on the blockchain, yep. then, you know, you get... It clogs everything. That's, I mean, that's the problem that's with right. Ethereum at the moment. Yep. That that's everything's right. slow because everyone's having to... All the nodes are having to yep. do all the computation. That's right. Yep. That's okay. Right. Yeah. All right. That makes a lot of sense. So I wanted to talk a little bit... Uh, in, in my talks with business, and we t we've talked about this a fair bit on the podcast as well, that there's a growing movement towards uh, either consortium or private blockchains. And I know NEM has a... Has yeah. a, a Midgen, that's what Midgen, yeah, yes. a project called Midgen. Could you explain a little bit the difference between the public NEM blockchain and what's going on with Midgen? Yep. So so Midgen is, is a totally um, separate permissioned private blockchain. And the difference with the NEM public blockchain is that it does not interact with the public blockchain and all the transactions are on your own. You don't actually pay the transaction fee for NEM. NEM, you pay 0 0.05 uh, ZEM for that. In the Mijin platform, you pay sort of a, 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 a recurring fee to maintain your nodes online and also then sort of a, sort of a licensing fee to use our technology, our proprietary technology. And that, that would then use the features that NEM would have. So the features would be something that we've just mentioned like a POSA, multi-sig, the voting platform can then be replicated into Mijin as well. And Mijin sounds very Japanese. Uh, that's because it was, it's done in partnership with a, a Japanese company called Tank Bureau Corporation. Yeah. And, and they run um, the ZAFE Exchange, which is one of the largest exchanges uh, in terms of Zem volume yeah. and they have been also promoting the Mijin platform in fact the latest development with Mijin is that um, Catapult which mm. is going to be launched end of the year it's actually on Mijin right now so wow. you can test it there and it's actually available on the Microsoft Azure Marketplace. Yeah, I heard about and, that. And actually yeah. download Mijin and use it as a blockchain as a service platform. Yeah, yeah. brilliant. Yeah, so we've we featured Microsoft Azure before, and I, I talked. I, it's actually one of the big examples I give when I'm talking to business is is what Microsoft are doing with their private blockchains. Uh, and so 
Nem has just recently come on to, to Azure then. Could you talk a little bit more about that partnership and exactly why businesses are moving towards Nem as opposed to, say, something like Ethereum uh, using Microsoft Azure? Yep, so I guess Nem is a plug-and-play solution and we literally want enterprises to literally plug it into their own business and that's where the Microsoft Azure uh, partnership came about so that they'd be able to essentially purchase uh, sort of the Medium platform and yep. then plug it into their business itself. Yep. So, so and, and the reason is it's, it's really simple as well. So so yeah, you mentioned by Ethereum, if they were to actually um, you know use the Ethereum platform, mm. they would actually need um, some specialized skill sets. Yep. So like Jen mentioned, uh, usually a, a computer science degree graduate would be quite competent in C++ or mm. Java, the basic mm. language. So it's much easier for enterprise to actually get the existing developers mm. to do that. Like I've actually seen developers who would take a couple of weeks to develop something on another platform, but yep. with them, they could do it overnight because yep. they found it's that, that easy. Yep. Wow, okay. And that's a really important point too, isn't it? Because if you want to develop for Ethereum, for example, you need to learn Solidity yep, or something right. similar, which right. is yes. a completely new language. Yes. And uh, and that's been one of the big barriers. I know consensus are running a, a training program to try and get more developers to develop for Solidity. Yep, right. But if we, if we can uh, use the existing languages to do things, then you've got such a wider area of, um, of talent. But I think also it it makes a lot more sense from a security perspective as well. Yeah, that's right. when you're dealing with something that you know intimately, it makes a lot more sense uh, that you would pick up a lot of the errors that you might not pick up if, if, you, if you're dealing with a new language. Yep. Yeah, so exactly. interestingly, I actually was in consensus uh, yeah. in, in, during in New York and actually met the person who was running the academy training for uh, Ethereum. Yeah, okay. He was running Solidity and I was asking him also like, like oh, it's, it's, it's really hard to learn. It's, he acknowledges it. It's a mm. bit of a pain, but once mm. you master it, you can do a lot with it. Yeah, but I say, don't you think that there would be um, in the next three to six months something else that would be easier or faster to run? Mm. And he acknowledged that as well, saying, "Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. it could potentially be because this, the the ecosystem is just moving so fast." But just as of today itself, it's learning this language and yeah. learning through it. So, so there is also a risk where you're learning something that may actually be obsolete in the next couple of months. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, and it's, it and it, it takes a fair while to get yeah. a, to get a grasp on that stuff. So. Yeah, no. My impression is with them is that the the founding the core ethos with what you're doing seems to be meeting people where they're at, as opposed to asking people to shift themselves. You're saying, well, we'll come to you. Does, is that accurate? Does that? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, from a community perspective, we're in um, 50 different countries with mm. almost 100 different cities where we've got meetup leaders like Jen being a Melbourne meetup leader, yeah. speaking to people about the NAM blockchain. So we're on the ground, you know, on the boots on the ground. We don't see many other, many other uh, blockchain protocols doing that because we want to be intentional to reach yeah. out to people. Yeah. So in fact, uh, Jen was in uh, Canberra just on Monday uh, yeah. speaking to the community there with government and right. university and so on. And we've also got a team in uh, Brisbane as well, which yep. I think you've heard about NEM yep. first over there, and, yep. and different different uh, activities for by the NEM platform. And so, can can we talk a little bit about the community then yep. here in Australia, and also the, the the broader NEM community? Because my my impression, the more I learn about NEM, is that it is very much a community project, yep. and there seems to be a lot happening at the grassroots. Uh, like there's obviously you've got Midgen as well, which is the corporate side, but there seems to be a very active community. I remember when I was first researching it, I uh, went on the Reddit page and I think they've got the best fact, like frequently asked questions yeah. out of anyone. The, okay. the amount of information that was That's there. That's good to know. Yeah, yeah no, it, was, it was brilliant. But yeah, talk a little bit about the community both here in Australia yeah. and, and, and broader around yeah, the sure. world. I'll let Jen answer that. 
So we, we do have a really dedicated community. Uh, we are, all our Telegram groups where everybody can help each other out. And you know it's very, very active at the moment too. In terms of what we do in Australia here in the community, what we do in terms of education, like, like Jason said, we travel around giving talks, mm. trying to educate the masses on what NEM is, what NEM's place in in the blockchain. Yeah. And like I was in camera recently just talking to them as well. Yeah. We have Australian team, uh, like you said, in the community, basis we actually go to them as well yeah so we don't actually ask people to come over to us you know pay for tickets come over to us we'll give you a talk yeah. we actually go to these places and actively involve them in mm. and then give them one talks to them as well yeah like quite recently um we helped rmit develop um sponsor and develop one of their uh what do you call that um Student club, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, student club there at RMIT. And then I've been guest lecturing at Deakin University as well. Right. So we do a lot of these community programs as well. Just go around, give talks. And then, wow. again, the other side of it is hopefully build people, have mm. people build on the NEM platform as well mm. and educate them how to build on the NEM platform. And how's the reception been then at the universities and at the educational institutions? Oh, very good. Very good. Considering that they approach us and we don't approach yeah. them. So <laughs> that's always a good indicator of yeah. how much excitement people have yeah. with the NEM platform. So yeah, yeah it's pretty good. The next week I'll be at the, at the Melbourne Law School talking to law, law grads about Oh, it. wow. So okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 It'll be interesting to see from the legal perspective what the questions are there. So yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that, I've got a little background myself and some of the some of what I saw with the NEM platform really intrigued me too with, with the way I think the notary system was one of them uh, but the, the way that uh, you're building the platform it does seem to make sense uh, for example with wills as well to to have something that because the biggest problem with, with the law industry in general I think is that uh, technology moves very slow in the law industry and I know from experience asking law firms and lawyers to shift to something completely new, uh, again, completely foreign like Ethereum or something similar is quite hard because it's it's not very approachable and it's it's quite different. And, and my impression with, with NEM is that, that that barrier, and from what you're saying, that barrier might be quite a bit lower. Uh, than well, we try to act as a catalyst, essentially. Yep. Yeah. Because, okay. again, people are trying to find out what blockchain can do. Yeah. And... Like Jason mentioned, we had to learn different languages and so on building those platforms. We're trying to make it as easy as possible, yep. plug and play. So think of them as a catalyst for blockchain and the systems in place right now. Quite like an easy place to dip your toes in. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Okay, yeah. And and I think that's that's the key with a lot of this blockchain adoption, isn't it? That we need to find a way to meet the industry where it's at and, and allow them to at least test the waters yeah, first, yeah. you know, and, and maybe say, okay, well, don't, throw the baby out with the bathwater and don't yeah. shift everything over to blockchain, maybe just target this small area yeah. and, uh, and and try it with that and then yeah. move on. Just make it as easy as possible to try. Yeah, that's right. Okay. And and how have you found the projects coming out of the community then? So we've, we've, there are, it sounds like there's a lot of business projects building on NEM, but is, are there some uh, open source projects coming out of the community that are being built on NEM as well? Well, on the business side, I'm quite aware that, that there are a number of business building on us, but yep. can you elaborate on which, what kind of projects you're talking about? Uh, for example, with uh, say for example with Ethereum, they've got they've got projects like Open Law, uh, which is like an open source uh, legal contracts platform that that the community is working on. Um, are there are there projects with NEM that yeah. the yeah. Yeah, they are. So, so for example, there's a, a open source project called Landstead. Yeah, uh, it's it's based out of Europe, where companies can actually take that.
um, uh, initial platform that they built and then use it for land titles and registries okay. on the blockchain. Yep. So if you go into the website and just search for Landstate, you'd be able to find that. And then there's NamPay as well, which yep. is a payment platform where people have been developing ways of making it easier for that. Yep. Uh, you've got uh, NamPay3, which is on music, and uh, NamPack, which is a gaming platform about the, the Pac-Man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so people are experimenting on that. And, yep. and essentially what they're saying is I'm putting my code up there yep. and anyone can start to build on that and, and sort of that becomes that open source environment that's being developed. So we've got a business side of things and, and we've got that open source okay. uh, platforms as well. Brilliant. Yeah. Okay. Mm. And so if I'm a business, what um, and, and I'm looking at the blockchain thinking, this is something we need to get into uh, and, and trying to work out where I might fit into the ecosystem. What would be the areas that you would say make the most sense for you to use NEM at the moment? So currently, um, anything that has the, the, the time stamping function to it yep. to actually acknowledge a transaction, that, that's a, a very important piece there. Yep. Um, another area that's very popular is payments as well. So okay. in terms of uh, using cryptocurrency as underlying transaction platform so that yep. the transaction becomes a lot faster. Okay. Uh, and I saw angle. that a few banks were, were using that uh, to, like, so I, I think it, they were coming out of Japan or somewhere else yep. where they were tokenizing their currency yep. and using the NEM, uh, the underlying NEM architecture as a way to settle their internal transactions yep. a lot faster. That's right. Yep. That's right. So, so instead of actually using actual cash to do the transaction, yep. the cryptocurrency becomes the uh, the the value that's being used, but yep. then the final output only then becomes that, that fiat currency, right? So okay, and and the benefit of that, of course, would be that you have a, a an inbuilt audit trail. Yep. In in the fact that you've it's all there on a just on a immutable ledger. That's right. And, that's right. Yeah, and yeah. you could build some kind of smart contract to yes. report that all back to whatever your auditing software is, for mm-hmm. example. Um, what else did you guys want to cover? Um, cover I think this should be about it. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, yeah, good. All right. Thanks. Um, yeah, no, that's that's good. I just just uh, I, I, you can tell I'm I'm quite passionate about the. Yeah, that's right. right. It's a really good question. You know your stuff. That's yeah, very good. Yeah. yeah. Um, so if I'm if I'm someone that's looking to get into to blockchain, then or looking to check more out about NEM, where should I go first? What should I be doing? Yep. So so NEM.io is the, the website to go to. Yep. And then uh, NEM's on Telegram as well. So you just search NEM on NEM Red, which is our our NEM. If you've got NEM Blue as well, you got NEMBIRIA. So the red and the blue peel. Okay. Um, and and we actually <laughs> like have. That. A good vibrant community. So just search NAM Foundation meetups and yep. you can see uh, the different meetups all across the world that we are there. And we're here in Melbourne at the Blockchain Center. Yep. So come by over if you're in Melbourne. Yeah, yeah they're very, very friendly here. So <laughs> if you are in Melbourne, come by and say good day. Uh, is there any, any other shout outs you want to do? Anyone you, you want to you call out, shout out to before yeah, no, we finish? I'm good. No, that's great. Yeah, I, I guess uh, watch this space. Yep. Um, you know, we want the NAM Blockchain to be a winning and I strongly believe so but I believe that it is the ecosystem in general so everyone should just be paying more attention yeah. to uh, where the world will look like uh, in terms of blockchain technology yeah so that that's something that we should all pay attention to the blockchain Brand. platform and technology behind that yeah okay well Jason and Jen thank you so much okay. and, uh, Thanks, and yeah. we'll, um, we'll, we'll definitely watch this space alright brilliant cheers, cheers. so fascinating to hear you had a great time. I had a, I had a great time. And that was all done like very suddenly. I'd, I'd only messaged them about 30 minutes before on Twitter saying I was coming. And then I rocked up and that they were all just so friendly. Like everyone was so friendly and they were like, yeah, come in. Let's let's do an interview. No preparation needed at all. We just sat down in a room and, uh, and got straight into it. 
So, Amazing. yeah, and look, they're actually really good to follow on Twitter. If you've got Twitter or LinkedIn or anything like that, um, those guys down there are great to follow because they, they travel a lot. Uh, they were traveling with Travel by Bit mm-hmm. up in 1770 and uh, they've been doing a, a bunch of other stuff around the place. They, they always seem to be on the go doing some community thing or, yeah. So, Amazing. So, check out them. So, we're going to give Jordan a call and... Uh, Look, I'm not sure how this call is actually going to go because we knew that the 21st episode was coming up mm. and we had planned to do gambling coins ourselves mm. as like a as like a, a feature. You know, mm. ga- the, the gambling blockchain technology, there's a lot of stuff out there. But we thought since Jordan hadn't really put many articles in for us at all, mm. hadn't really been doing any of the jobs we paid for him, mm. um, we would get him to do it as a way to kind of win our trust back mm. and uh, and get him back on our payroll. Yeah. So, um, we're going to check in and see how he's been going. And, um, yeah. Jordan, have we got you? Yes, yes. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, poo, we almost had three bars, huh? Oh, Matt, how you doing, huh? I'm good, Jordan. How are you? Oh... I've been better, eh? you know, I've, I've just been doing some research for the show, you know, the upcoming episode 21, you know, I've just been sitting in this lit room for the last two days, researching, I'll be, I'll have this stuff ready for you just in time for the episode, um, when is the episode? Well, we're recording it now, Jordan, so we're actually calling you while we're recording. What's what's more important is is how's the research been going? Have you what have you what have you been finding out about gambling coins? Oh, Bru, I found that quite a lot actually. I, I've um, I've been experimenting. I've mm. been learning. Mm. Uh, I've been. You know, it's not an easy thing, huh? You can't you can't just gamble and win every time, huh? Do you feel like blockchain makes sense for for gambling applications? Oh, blockchain. Oh. Uh, blockchain? What do you mean, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah, Jordan, blockchain coins. We asked you to look at blockchain-based gambling coins. Oh, Bruce. I did not... I did not understand that, Bruce, huh? Um... W- w- what have you been doing for the last couple of weeks, Jordan? Oh, I've been... Uh, I've been at the casino, huh? Uh, just researching for the show, you know? Finding some things out. Checking my balance. Right, and what have you found out? Oh, it's very easy to lose two hundred and seventy-five thousand US dollars in a week. <sighs> Jordan, you've lost two hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars. Oh, it's all good, bro. You know, there's uh, um, that's that's. Uh, Jordan, I thought you didn't have any money left. I thought you'd used it all when we had to bail you out of Vladivostok. Oh, actually, I found someone who was willing to back me when I told him I could beat the house, huh? So he, he lent me a couple, uh, a couple, a couple thousand, a couple hundred thousand. Right, and he, he wants you to pay this couple Look, hundred thousand back. I'm getting out of here pretty soon. I've got the, I've got the diplomatic passport for Liberland. I've got to go, huh? Okay, Jordan, well, we, we need that report on, but we've, we've got yeah, deadlines. No worries, no worries. I'm on it, I'm, I'm on it, I'm on, I've got to go. Okay. Mate, I mean, I extended this to him as a favour. I wanted to bring him back into the FOMO fold. You, you're, it was literally the prodigal son of crypto. Yeah. You were happy to welcome him back. Yeah, and he, and I said. something to motivate him. I even said, Jordan, 
just to be clear, this is blockchain gambling coins. I'm, I don't want you just to go out and gamble. Blockchain gambling coins. Ridiculous. That man. Can't follow a simple brief. Well, look, now he's made more enemies and who knows where he is. So, the drama continues. I guess we're just going to have to do the gambling coin thing ourselves. If you know someone who might enjoy this, please feel free to share it with them. You can find us at FOMO.show. You can jump on our Telegram at FOMO.show slash Telegram. You can follow us on Twitter at the underscore FOMO underscore show. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash the FOMO show. And YouTube at FOMO.show slash YouTube. That's it for us here at the FOMO show. Thank you so much for joining us. If you like our show, please do feel free to subscribe in your podcast app of choice or via our YouTube channel. I'm Matt. I'm Joe. And as always, remember, no FOMO. Episode 21. I mean, gambling coins would have been would have been the business. This is the episode that could have been the episode about gambling coins, but it wasn't because we couldn't be bothered. We just thought of it too late. Mm. You thought of it too late. I did. I didn't think of it at all. <laughs> we could do it on 221. Oh, 210. Yep. I'm trying to think of another episode that has like gambling connotations to it, but no, 21's probably the perfect time to do it we miss the proverbial boat oh, that's all good next yourself easier with a couple merchants decentralized api for mobile payments trying to watch hey. we're going to look at setting it up and uh, i might tinker with it sometime soon give it a little tinker <laughs> tinker tailor tinker laddie candlestick maker <laughs> hey, can i tell laddie <laughs> <laughs> Exploring the recesses of the blockchain the other tier. EOS is has like far has has already surpassed Bitcoin in chain length in six days. Six days. In six days. In six days. And on the seventh day. <laughs> and on the seventh day. EOS Dan rested. Laram arrested. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to a special part of hell. <laughs> <laughs> So talk, she's just resting. Over to you. Oh, wait, over to me. And now over to Joe. Back to you. In the studio. Microphone tennis. <laughs> and how's the weather, Veronica? <laughs> Better watch out on the roads this morning. I don't know, I'm going to just... <laughs> 90% of what I say is total crap, and then I cut that out, and it sounds like some semblance of just... It sounds like we're, like... Functioning. Yeah, normal people. Really, every episode is just a Frankenstein cut of <laughs> random words we say. Uh. <sighs> oh, I'm so scared. <laughs> I was so scared. For those listening, our garage door just opened, and uh, Joe's... Like, if you take out the walls, probably only two or three metres from the garage door, so... I was just so ready to die. (laughs) (laughs) 
no, but you know, it's always a robot. It's like, bee, and yeah. then after like two yeah, seconds, yeah, yeah, it just like jumps yeah. and you're dead. Yeah, then suddenly like the, the the wall's exploding and... Yeah. Yeah. We got through like four or five hours of that once. The 10-hour sax guy at schoolies in the admin office. <laughs> and we were going a little bit insane by the end of it's it. It's great though. I can still hear it in my head. <laughs> <laughs> the hip thrust. It's That's right. Great. It got number one. Number one. It mulled over. Who like saxophone too? I had a shower. I think I need to sit in the bath. Hey. Oh, that's going to be on the recording now. Hey Joe. Hey mate. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. So 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 sorry. 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 Oh, sorry. Uh, excuse me. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Coming through. Oh, uh, sorry. Sorry. Ah, uh, miss. Sorry. <laughs> Hello. He killed my auntie! Oh.